0: We run away from failure or we try our best to avoid failure. We do not end up exploring. What does exploration lead to? It'll lead to two things. It'll either lead to you discovering something or in the process, failing at reaching the solution that you want or the answer that you want. And because we are scared to try something new and fail at it. Growing up, we, we are going to stop exploring. And if you are not going to explore, I, I don't, see
1: a way to grow. Hey people, welcome to the makers theory podcast, a show where we talk to founders, innovators, and developers to understand their process, lessons they have learned and how they are creating an innovative solution and making an impact to the society. For season one, we are focusing on the education technology sector and understand what problems people are trying to solve and how we can improve the education system. This is Ali and on today's show, we learn how Pratik Agarwal and his team is building School of Accelerated Learning, SOL, a platform that works at the intersection of education and employment, building an alternative university where the focus is to have the students at the center and encourage lifelong learning. You might have learned C++, but the next day, the world has moved on to Python. And once you get the hang of Python, people start focusing on the no-code tools. Every day, new skills are created for careers that hasn't been invented yet. Imagine one of the most sought after field in today's world is crypto engineering, a term you wouldn't have heard three, four years ago. At Seoul, Pratik, Raj and Varsha and their team are solving the issue of skills gap that is caused by an expensive one size fits all and an outdated education system that builds and judges individuals based on their credentials rather than their skills. We hear from Prateek where he started his journey almost a decade back building the Wi-Fi solutions where there was hardly any 3G or 4G networks available in India and working with companies like Red Bull, Sunburn, TADA and many more. We will also hear how Prateek then focused his attention on reducing the current skill gap in our education system through Seoul. The driving thought behind Seoul is that people with a growth mindset will be more impactful than those with a fixed mindset. Let's hear it from Prateek. Thank you so much for joining into our show. Please tell us what you're building right now.
0: Pleasure, pleasure being here, Nurt. It's been great interacting with you and knowing what you're doing with the podcast as well. What we're building is, if I have to summarize in one word, what we're trying to do is we are disrupting the education system as we know it. We are the alternative to the university and on the mission and the path to become an alt-university, if I may call it so.
1: That's amazing. I want to learn a lot about that, but let's go back to a little bit about yourself. Let's go back to your background. So tell me, how were you as a child? Like, were you a, like a studious student or uh, like you were involved in sports and everything?
0: I I think up until school, uh, Noor, I was, I, I don't think it'll be a uh, stretch to say that it was quite inconsequential or, or I rather was also quite inconsequential. I was very, very quiet, very just above average at everything, be it uh, studying, be it sports, be it uh, other extracurricular activity, just above average, Is there, nothing I can say was, oh, wow, you know, this is what happened or on either side of the spectrum. I think, I think as a child in school, that, that was it. There was very, very little exploration, if I may call it so. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So going from like an average childhood to reaching to a level where you are, I think this is your second or third startup right now. So this could have been a great journey. Tell us more about like, how was your life during ISB and then your first startup?
0: It was. So I'll tell you during ISB basically, going to ISB in itself was, I would would say the journey towards what we are doing right now at Seoul had already begun by then. In fact, the reason behind going to ISB was to understand how that model of education works, how an industry-driven sort of pseudo-accelerated learning model works when it comes to play. Up until then, I'd only been part of very, very formal education systems or, or done my schooling with ICSC, did my BCom with Mumbai University. So it, was, it had been very, very typical in some sense. And when we thought of building something like Seoul, one of the first things that we wanted to understand, what exactly does learning entail? What are the different education model models out there? What is the difference between an online learning and an offline learning? Again, we were doing all of this back in 2015, uh, where, again, if you think about it, most of the people that we spoke to, they used to be shocked when we, were, when we used to say that, hey, we want to do something in the brick and mortar or, or an offline or a hybrid uh, space. That's why it was very important for us to understand what it entails being online versus being offline, being in a traditional education system. Whereas, as again, being in an industry driven education system, we wanted to understand what it entails when it comes to accelerating your learning. Again, like I said, I did as my undergraduate, I did BCom for three years. I know, for a matter of fact, all of that was not more than uh, worth more than i say six to nine months so yeah it was it was very interesting as a
1: learning journey that's that's amazing so let's talk a little bit about lost party and think scream information media that's where where you get your starting
0: yes uh, yeah so lost party was more of a passion project it was more of something that we again uh, saw a bit of a gap and we saw that hey you know what we, we can work something and we would want to create something and be able to add value from our own perspective but it was more of a passion project or less of a business venture I would call it so. ThinkScream is where, where uh, for us and me the route started. Uh, soon after college got over, I think I spent around a year in a manufacturing setup, understanding the, uh, the works of operations, of scaling operations, uh, the intricacies. Again, manufacturing does that very well with you, because the margin of error over there is very, very, very low when it comes to uh, anything, whether it's the production side, whether it's the supply or the demand side, the margin of uh, error is very low. So That, that prepped me well with thingscream. Again, the journey started back in 2011. The entire Thought behind King Scream came from solving a problem that we used to face at that point of time. My co-founder, Raj and I, we used to sit out of cafes. We used to uh, sit, brainstorm on a lot of ideas that, hey, you know what, we could solve something like this. But all throughout those, I think uh, six to nine months before we actually started out, we ourselves realized that we are facing a big issue Uh, which we actually ended up solving, was that of just internet connectivity and availability. We used to set out of cafes, and this is, again, back in 2011, where uh, your 4G and 3G didn't really exist. Your Wi-Fi hotspots didn't really exist. There were probably only a couple of them. Barista was one of them, uh, and maybe a couple of other places which had Wi-Fi hotspots. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's where we started out. We we were like that, hey, you know what? This is a huge problem. Today, we, we can't imagine doing much without having good internet connectivity. Uh, so, why don't we go out and give the entire world this internet connectivity? And it was during that journey where we encountered the entire technology of Wi-Fi. And we realized everything that we could do on top of Wi-Fi as a technology in itself. So yeah, that that's where we explored and deep dive and learned a lot about user behavior, learned a lot about scaling tech in general, and that's it was during that journey is when we when we came across the problem that we're facing and why the reason behind why we ended up starting Soul as well.
1: Amazing. So that's quite a journey. So let's talk about education for first. Like, why did you actually jump into the education system? What brought you to, like, changing the education landscape?
0: No, like I was saying, while we were building FingScream, while we, while we were scaling, things, this, by this time, we are already around three years uh, into the venture. Again, this is a decade back, where startups were not as commonly... Uh, as common knowledge and as common occurrence as it is right now, even though we knew a lot in our ecosystem, it's still the kind of understanding and uh, resource availability that is available right, that that exists right now did not exist back then. So we were already three to four years down uh, into the uh, uh, into our venture. Uh, we had we we'd gotten patents for. Certain products we built, we started working with some of the top organizations, we started working with Tata, Airtel, SL, all the, literally any ISP that you can imagine to help them uh, build last mile delivery when it came to, came to high density uh, network deployments and building products on top of that. It was during this time when we were obviously now looking at scaling our team, scaling the venture is when we ran into some massive, massive issues and troubles. Uh, this is, this is when we realized that the kind of people that we wanted to get on board as a team, in the team, we just weren't able to find. Uh, and again, just, just for a little con- context of here, both of us, Raj and I, we come from an academically non-technical background. We both did our undergraduate in BCom. We both had little stints of doing chartered accountancy. That, that's the background we come from. And soon, one year after graduating, we ended up starting a tech venture that purely builds out tech and tech products. And this is, for that time, for our understanding, that was, this was deep tech, where, where we went into the core of networking and high-density deployment. So the perspective that we came from was that if you have a problem in front of you, you, you deal with it from a first-principles perspective. You start understanding the problem, start uh, mapping what your use case is going to be and start solving. And in the process, we needed to learn a lot of things. We needed to cover that entire journey from not having written a single piece of code to actually building out products. And we had to do it all by ourselves. And when we were looking for people to come on board as part of our team, we wanted that kind of a mindset. We were looking for the for the kind of people who are not bound or limited by what they've done in the past. Uh, we wanted people who are willing to explore, who are willing to fail. That, that, that's so, so important, who are willing to fail, who are willing to do all of that. And we, that we, we, we hit huge roadblocks. Initially, obviously, uh, we thought that, hey, you know what, uh, maybe by the virtue of being a relatively smaller setup or a relatively smaller venture, maybe that's why we are not being able to get the right kind of people in. Uh, We also thought maybe, you know, the tech community that time back in Bombay didn't run too deep. Uh, This was around 2007, 2008, where a big bunch of this tech community had moved moved to Bangalore. So uh, Bombay didn't run a very, very deep uh, tech community at that time. We thought maybe, maybe that's the reason. But then obviously we didn't stop there since we are working with all these organizations, a lot of other tech organizations as well. We used to continuously talk and keep poking this uh, this topic about, hey, you know what, the talent, the kind of talent that we are wanting, we are not being getting what's the, how, how do you go about getting the right kind of talent? Again, for us, we thought that it's a skill gap that we have. We do not know how to get the right kind of talent. And up until uh, that time in our journey, uh, if we didn't know something, we went around talking to people, asking, understanding, learning that, okay, you know what, this is how you can do it. Uh, it was all a part of the process. And while doing all of that is, uh, when we realize that, hey, you know what, this problem is not not limited to us. It It is not because uh, we are a small venture. It is not because the tech community runs, uh, doesn't run too deep, maybe. Uh, it actually exists across the board, be it uh, smaller setups who were just starting to start up, be it the flip cards or snap deals uh, of that time, literally each and everyone was facing this issue. CTOs, CEOs, everyone said the same thing that, hey, you know what, this this is precisely the kind of issues that we are facing as well. That's where that caught our eye. And that, that kind of resonated with us very, very strongly, and that's when we started diving a little deeper as to why does this problem exist. That's where we found education, our education system, to be at the core of it. And yeah, that that's where the journey began for uh, what we know of today as so.
1: That's amazing. So I want to deep dive a little bit more about the system where you said like learning to fail. We are not taught as students, specifically in our education system, a process to learn and then fail. And maybe to take that failure as an example to be a better person. So what do you think about like, is there a problem with our education system not teaching it? Or is it just personally as a person?
0: I think the entire piece of failure goes beyond the education system. I personally think it's a cultural problem, uh, which obviously, obviously, it seeps into the education system as well. The education system is supposed to fix the cultural problems that we face. But yeah, it's a very hardwired thing. You would not want to fail. I do not want to fail. Since day one of my childhood, my parents, my friends, the family, teachers, no, no, nobody is going to look, every, everyone look, down in some form or the other maybe subliminally maybe in very subtle ways but we look down upon failure that hey you know what you didn't do well in maths how could you not get this these many marks how could you not achieve this we are attuned to not be comfortable with failure we are attuned to run away from failure and that in my head creates a lot of ripple effects you know. I, I see when it comes to our education system, obviously the relevancy of what we are learning, those are very hygiene aspects. They, they are the obvious things right in front of our face that, okay, you know what? Maybe we are learning something that is 10 years, or uh, one, two, three, five decades older than what we are supposed to be learning. They're, they definitely exist. For me, the core of the issue lies in other things, which is the problem with failure, the discomfort with failure, Uh, the inability to explore, just the aversion to giving or taking good feedback, spoon feeding, all of these are the core of the issue. And they, they, in some way or the other, are all interrelated, according to me. Uh, It is because we run away from failure or we try to try our best to avoid failure. We do not end up exploring. What does exploration lead to? It'll lead to two things. It'll either lead to you discovering something or in the process, failing at reaching the solution that you want or the answer that you want. And because we are scared to try something new and fail at it, growing up, we, we are going to stop exploring. And if you are not going to explore, I, I don't see a way to grow. And the, these are what I believe our education system and not just us again this is not specific to us but yeah in this context our education system desperately needs to fix and tweak is what i would say
1: that's really good so when we are talking about tweaking the education system are you more talking about the supply side the teachers who are actually not capable of it or we are not providing them support or is it the students who are just not willing to learn at this moment
0: you know this is this is One thing that I, uh, I think over the last three, four years, something that I've learned, uh, I would like to believe I've learned and gained an insight uh, into that when when we talk about education system, and this I I will be talking from a personal experience, purely as a personal opinion, that over the past half a decade, I've gotten, I don't know, countless discussions uh, and conversations about education majority of them, maybe 90-95% of them, have been that, hey, you know what, our education system is not up to the mark. It needs changing, it needs tweaking. But there's been one problem that I've had with all those, all, all those conversations, is that most of those conversations revolve around only one perspective. I'd like to call it a puzzle called education. We We talk about, like you said, we talk about teacher needs to be upgraded we talk about oh we need better teachers who can teach in a better way we do not even acknowledge let alone address that there is another part to this puzzle there's another piece to this puzzle there's another side to this coin that is we as as learners need to take some agency us as learners need to take some responsibility us as learners need to start adopting better ways of learning and it's very easy for anyone to externalize any problem. And for me, when we're talking about teachers or teaching being upgraded, it is externalizing our problem. So, yeah, coming back to your question, uh, I, I would I, I often believe that, you know, if I have to play the devil's advocate, I would say over oh, the past two decades or three decades, teaching has made leaps and bounds of progress. It has really upgraded and updated imagine when I was in school we used to use blackboards by the time I got out of school we used to use green boards by the time I was in college and getting out of college we used to use whiteboards we moved to presentations we have MOOCs we have we have zoom we have everything we have AI we we have everything all of it has focused uh, on upgrading some in some way or the other the teaching aspect what we've not done is we haven't upgraded ourselves as learners. Till today, in the fanciest of schools, the most progressive of teaching platforms, we still want to be spoon-fed. There is very little agency of learning that we want to take, and that is where my problem exists. And that is precisely what, for us at Seoul, the focus is: that how do you build that agency within a learner? How do you make them responsible for their learning? How do you nurture and build those self-determined learners? Again, when I say this huge mindset gap, well, what do I mean by this huge mindset gap? Is We do not want to accept that, hey, you know, we might not know things. There may be a learning curve that we have to go through and it takes effort from us to be able to learn that. Something very, very widely and commonly known as growth mindset, wherein we need to take the responsibility for our growth and we need to believe that, okay, you know what, whatever skill there exists, I have the ability to pick it up or give in enough focus and effort.
1: That's amazing. So... At Seoul, you are focusing on the learner's first approach. So learners are kept in the middle of teaching entire curriculum and entire portfolio. So why do you think like someone who needs this product and someone who needs to go through some alternate education just because they're not getting something enough at school or is it just for their own purposes of growing themselves out?
0: It's a bit of both what we are not getting enough of at school. Growing up the solution uh, is what we are looking at uh, but majorly what i would say is it's the need to build certain habits that for 20 22 23 years of our living life we have not built and it's not easy to build those habits so it's not easy to build habits to just something as simple as giving feedback going going back to that cultural uh, aspect we as i believe personally, that we as a society are averse to good feedback. And not just giving good feedback, even taking good feedback. We do not know how to give or take good feedback. We, we want to be vague about it. We want to be abstract about it. We do not want to be real and true with the other person. And what this ends up doing is it ends up building habits within ourselves. That we do not end up then, therefore, as a habit, not giving good feedback to ourselves, we are going to be vague and abstract to ourselves. We are going to be untrue to ourselves. And when we start doing that, our learning just stops because we are not going to be we are not going to be able to identify where do our problems lie, where do our gaps lie. The fact that okay these gaps exist and we need to put in work to fill those gaps. None of these realizations are going to exist because we are not true to ourselves when we are giving ourselves feedback.
1: Interesting. So this is where you came around like, okay, I got to start Soul. This is where I'm going to solve this particular problem in education system. So how did all get started? Like talk us about your co-founders and how did, the, how did you meet them and why are they actually important to building Soul with you?
0: I, I think I was telling you earlier in the conversation that you know this is how uh, we thought that okay you know what we need to fix the education system again at that point of time we were facing the problem from both sides from supply as well as demand Where, when it comes to learning in itself we personally faced a problem that back again or more than a decade ago we come from an academically non-tech background getting into tech it wasn't as comfortable as, I'm glad, as comfortable as it is today. There there were so many limitations when it came to the mindset of people around that, hey, you know what? You've done your BCom. How how do you think you want to become tech entrepreneur? How do you think you want to start coding? You can't do that. You haven't taken science in your uh, college or school. These were appalling. We didn't have today Thankfully, there are a lot of avenues for everyone to start learning tech and STEM and take up STEM programs. At that point of time, they didn't exist. If we wanted to take up tech or STEM programs, we possibly needed tech or STEM background. There were no switching uh, around. So we faced that problem. We used to tell ourselves that, hey, you know what, Uh, what an MBA was to its time. The same thing is gonna happen with tech. What an MBA did in a way is you will never ask an engineering graduate that well, if you ask them what what do you want to do, they say uh, I want to build a career in financial services. Yeah, you're never going to be shocked. Uh, the, you you have a defined path in your head a universally accepted and defined path okay, you know what, maybe I'm going to work for a couple of years after my engineering, I'm going to go into a B school, I'm going to get out of the B school and work with XYZ. It's a defined, universally accepted path. Unfortunately, such a path didn't exist for the other way around. Where if you come from a non-engineering background and you were like, hey, I want to become a product developer, you didn't science. There is no limitation. There is there is no reason why that can't happen. So yeah, coming back. So that was one one face of the problem that we faced. The other also we faced from a, as an industry member that we are not getting the right kind of talent. We are not being able to filter the right kind of talent. Neither are we able to reach out and get those people with those skills. And like I told you, that's when we began exploring different models of education, online, offline, accelerated, uh, non-accelerated, industry-driven, traditional. I spent a year at ISB. My co-founder, Raj, spent a year in SF. Uh, Again, he was a part of the first cohort of Harvard's online program, HBX. He spent six months in a boot camp in SF, again, trying to understand what are the different models of education, what works, what doesn't work, what processes or what things, frameworks lead to different outcomes. We started putting all of this together. Uh, it was around this time when we'd done a lot of this research. Uh, also, during this research, we used to talk, like I told you, talk, talk to a lot of people in the industry. Uh, CTOs, CEOs all across the board we used to talk we used to again understand where the problem lies Uh, this was uh, during this time we had a lot of these people come on board with us and uh, join us that hey you know what We, we would love to be a part of this and help you build this system because we know we've been facing this problem we know possibly we can't fix this problem but we want to help you solve it in some way or the other so yeah It was during this time around 2017 is uh, we met another uh, friend of ours, Varsha. Uh, Again, we knew, uh, all three of us knew each other for more than half a decade by then. At this time, Varsha was, was deep into the education space and domain. She'd been working with RPG Foundation, revamping the entire curriculum and pedagogy for more than 100 schools across the country she was working with, Pehle Akshar, then she was working with a bunch of, she spent around a, a year or so in Kashmir with uh, Haji Public School volunteering and understanding again, learning behaviors of individuals. And that is precisely what we had been talking about and what we identified as problems. She was at this time again, looking to start something for, uh, for by herself. And yeah, when when we got to talking, we realized that hey, you know what, we have the same goal, we have the same vision, we have the same mission. Why don't we just do do this together? We have complementary skill sets in terms of what we are doing. So yeah, that 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 was great. With with my co-founders Raj, person who is so like he is always so curious, so inquisitive, that he will go into that depth. So he's a person for whom curiosity gets him very, very deep into any domain. And at the same time, he spreads so wide that there there, there will exist no problem that is alien to him or us by the virtue of working together. And with Varsha, the understanding of how the behavior and the mindset of an individual works just beautifully helps us work with these individuals because again today what we are trying to do is yes we are teaching people how to code we are teaching people how to design great products we are teaching people how to think from a user's perspective but at the end of the day you are trying to tweak an individual's mindset you are trying to change the behavior you are trying to build certain habits and please what is very very important is we are working with young adults The older you grow, typically it gets more difficult to change behaviors. That aspect is very, very important.
1: That's amazing. So you do believe in like bringing everyone together who have the same sort of goal and working towards a similar journey. Coming back to Seoul, you mentioned that you started talking to a lot of people, the initial research, you started with a couple of people in surveys and all of that. So what was the key insight that you actually got out of talking to just people before starting Seoul?
0: Everyone wants to change the system, but either people don't have the ability or the time to be able to do it. This, uh, jokes aside, this is this is actually true. And I was quite amazed. I remember when I had just moved to Hyderabad uh, for a couple of years or uh, in the initial couple of months again, I I had spent a lot of time in Bombay or uh, explored uh, everything across the country but Hyderabad wh- what I discovered in Hyderabad was truly mind-boggling and even appalling to some extent I remember when we were just starting out, we used to look for the kind of people that believed in the kind of education system we are building to get them on board as learners our outreach was on Uh, at that time. And uh, there was this one time when I got a call from someone's parents or a student's parents, not somebody with who was with us, but somebody inquiring uh, to be with us. And uh, this is what the conversation was about. They were like that. uh, I I I know what y'all are doing. My child is an engineering student. They are in their final year. Uh, They want to build a project since you teach, you do everything, can you build this project for a child? And I am like, huh? i am lost. I'll be very honest, I've lost. Like, what, what, what are you talking? No, this is not what we do. I went back, I spoke to uh, my team members who who knew about uh, all of this. They, they, a couple of them were from Hyderabad. I asked that. You know, very weird uh, phone call that I had. And they're like, yeah, this is what happens. That's when I learned that there are organizations, there are literal legit businesses that just make final year projects for students and there's a menu 3000 rupees a cloud computing project for 5000 rupees there's that that's a menu and there's a there's an entire area called i this is precisely what a bunch of these organizations do apart from obviously teaching there will be a lot of coaching classes as well but a bunch of them do do, do it this way i i was very very amazed uh, when this happened So yeah, that made me think that, okay, you know what, how how do I solve it? I went around then spoke, I think I went to approximately 50 to uh, 80 colleges uh, in three months at that time, spoke to a bunch of deans, principals, training and placement officers. Majority of them knew about it, knew this was happening. Uh, Majority of them wanted to really and very genuinely change it. They, they were frustrated, they were fed up, but for some reason, which I still haven't been able to pinpoint, they were all helpless. They're like, we've been wanting to, we've been trying to change, but it doesn't. And most of them were helpless. So yeah, that's on the uh, academic side uh, is what I learned from people. On the industry side, bunch of people, uh, again, uh, so I, I remember this conversation with this gentleman and very, very close mentor to us, guide to us, Pradeep Desu. Uh, he used to head uh, recruitment for Uber, Asia, uh, Asia-Pacific, North Africa, Southeast Asia. Now he uh, he was working again, used to head recruitment for Intel. Now he heads recruitment uh, worldwide for Gojek. He told, I remember this conversation where uh, he explained to us that uh, he said, Pradeep, We want people at this level. Unfortunately, all we get is people at this level. I can't do anything about it. I get people at this level, and all I can do is I can push them to come to this level. But this gap is something that even I can't fix. This is what I learned from him. I remember conversations with Professor Ajit Rangnekar again, then Dean of ISB spent years and years in education and learning, and also before that from the industry side. He was very, very, very staunch supporter of, and still is of what we are doing. He he always used to tell us that, you know, Pratik, what you're doing, what your one small, tiny part of your mission and goal has to be to literally disrupt universities as they are. He's like the CATs and the JEs and the Gmax are destroying our mindset as a learner because they see everything from one lens and that has to go he's like the best thing that can happen to us is these engineering colleges the IITs as they exist should cease to exist in the current way of form and this is a dean of one of the most premier b-schools that there is in the country and probably the continent. he always went on record to say that and he's like I genuinely believe that we can't be building the kind of skills and the mindset that we want uh, for our generation by doing the way things uh, that currently are being done.
1: So those are really good insights for someone who's listening to this amazing journey. Now let's talk about what happened with your, you start building. soul you start getting customers. What is your journey for like building an MVP to getting the first hundred customers to so the user base. And given that you are working in a space, which is starting with an offline space first. So you gotta be stick to a specific location, right? Instead of going all over the world, like just use an internet and use our services. This
0: is uh, definitely something question that we were really battling or again this is four years back we were battling this question that do we go online do we go offline we've done a lot of research again it was counterintuitive back then to build something offline the simple trade-off that we had was either we could build for scale or we could build for outcomes or why do i say that is the only reason why you would want to go online is to be able to reach more people to be able to give more people access, obviously. We could either optimize for that or we could optimize for the eventual learning outcome. And at that point of time, we had to and had to pick the learning outcome. And we believed that starting with an offline model would give us the best shot at getting the kind of learning my outcome and mindset that we want. So that, that's how and where we started. That's why we started offline because we're like, hey, you know what? We will get scale let's get this right, we will get scale because once we start producing the kind of learning outcome that we are looking for, once we start producing the kind of mindset that we are looking for, after that, we can always keep optimizing how we are, how we are being able to do that and move things online again. Very, very, very important as a what Everyone understands that and knows that, that, tech is going to be just a tool. It is literally, technology is never the destination for us. It is literally just the tool. So that is the kind of mindset that we had, that, hey, you know what, let's get this learning outcome by whatever way and process that it takes. Then we'll use technology to optimize those processes and therefore, over a period of time, scale those processes. And yes, obviously, to make them more intelligent and smarter as well and two years down the line yes we are achieving the same learning outcomes online as well not losing out on the very very fact that learners are still at the center of everything for us and no matter what we will not at any point in time compromise on the learning journey of so, an. Yeah, uh, going online and technology all becomes a part of a much much longer journey over here is what i believe
1: nice so talk to us about why the two courses that you actually picked up like was there any specific guidance that you got from people or you just wanted to see people to get into those specific courses for the first time
0: we started out with uh, product engineer why did we get into uh Product engineering is we believed at that point of time the biggest gap in terms of the domains that existed was in terms of engineering and software development again as a skill or we very strongly believe that there will be some form of understanding of technology that is going to creep into literally every domain whether it's marketing whether it's finance whether it's hr whether it's operations understanding how technology works is going to be more and more and more and more critical uh, with every passing day and we, we are seeing this this i'm talking about five years back we are seeing that right now uh, with the pandemic we are seeing that even more so how understanding how technology works what we saw when it came to engineering and tech is something that i mentioned earlier that what management skills were to say the 1900s We believe tech skills and engineering skills and STEM thinking and computational mindset and systems thinking mindset is what it is going to be to this millennium, this century. Rather, Those skills are going to be important in this century. And that's why we ended out starting with product engineering. Again, at that point, for us, a very, very important aspect has been that I don't want to just teach you software development. I don't want to teach you just web development. You need to understand how to build product. We, we have a lot of people who write good code who come out of the colleges. But even the best of the institutes, best of the universities, best of the students, just draw blank when it comes to building real products. They understand if you give them a problem And a solution. Or rather, if you give them a solution, they will be able to build out the solution very well for you. But there will be no imagination or visualization when they identify a problem. How do you solve the problem? What should be that solution? How does a product come together? Because product development and product creation is not just about writing great code and writing very efficient code. It's about understanding who your user is what the use case is, how are they going to be using it. It is keeping the user at the center of what you're building is what product development is. And that's why we chose to stick with product engineering and not software development or web development because we believe understanding that is going to be the most critical. After that, obviously, it would be very easy for us to be able to go into things like app dev or devops or anything like that there were two critical reasons what led us to launch product design we we felt a huge gap in the industry when it comes to good product designers actually putting design again for de- design users obviously are at the center of it but keeping design at the core of the product and started starting building products, keeping design and user behavior in mind. That was becoming very, very obvious in terms of the industry. At the same time for us as a school, what we wanted to do is what we're doing rather is we are building learning system, our own pedagogy that can literally help you learn absolutely any skill. So that's why it was very important for us to do something very, very, very starkly different from engineering. And when we saw everything that we were doing, when we saw our learning mechanisms, our frameworks, our pedagogy, work in these two diverse fields, we're like, okay, you know what? Now we know we can get the kind of outcomes that we want in any field. And now is when we can grow and scale up as an organization as well. And we can cater to a lot more problem statements and segments of I
1: Interesting. So when you're talking about product engineering, were there only engineering students who were involved in these courses and they were interested? Uh,
0: very, very wide variety. Again, we went to these wide variety was very important. I think engineering students form around not more than 35% of our audience. Another 25, 30% come from other STEM backgrounds. But for us, a big chunk nearly I that's say thirty five or well, more than one third of a chunk comes from management or psychology, arts and humanities and all these fields because again they they understand the value and importance of understanding tech and imagine imagine if you're a musician and you could code you're the person who is going to make that garage band as an app it is very important to get those perspectives while you're building. And again, going back to that technology is a tool, irrespective of what I do, if I learn this tool, oh my God, I can do so much more. And that is what we have to bring in. And that's the great part, you know, Noor. I am so, again, so grateful and thankful that I'm seeing this change now. When I look at the 16 to 20 audience segment, I see people are willing to explore. I see people are willing to try out new things. I see people wanting to and actually getting out of their comfort zone as well. So yeah, that, that's great to see. And we, we are starting to, in fact, launch products for that audience segment as well, where you are not looking to build skills to get a job, but you're looking to build skills Because you want to explore and get into the depth of those fields as well. And yeah, it's going to be a fun time dealing with and catering to that audience segment as well.
1: Amazing. So what are your future plans? Let's talk about that.
0: The eventual future plan is to become an alternative to universities and disrupt the system as it exists. In the near future, we'll obviously be launching a bunch of programs across fields. Something that is very, very interesting that we're bringing up is like I just touching upon is we are launching a subscription product, a subscription service for people in college so that they get to explore engineering, design and all the other different fields. But the key over there is what what that subscription service is about. It's about literally learning all of this. Exploring all of this by getting your hands dirty by actually building stuff out. So, every month you're going to be coming in, you're going to be building a new product, and then you're going to be proceeding to the next month building another product in the process. Actually, learning whatever you need to right from scratch doesn't matter whether you know how to code, whether you don't know how to code. But the idea is to build all of these skills, build this mindset that that we've been talking about. I've been harping about this growth mindset, first principles thinking, getting all of that in, but only from a perspective of building products, not from a perspective of today, I will learn this concept or this chapter. No, application-based learning, product based learning. So that that's that's in the near future. I think that's the most exciting thing that we're doing.
1: Amazing. So we are really excited to see that. I really want to touch on your learnings. You are building Soul for a long period of time. There could have been a good amount of challenges, some roadblocks or anything. You key feel that if someone is getting into this specific sector, they should know about it.
0: If I want to talk, Noor, from sector agnostic perspective, I would say one of the biggest learning for me has been the importance of focus, the importance of a defined goal. And the need to go deep into the problem when it comes to the long haul. It, the importance of going deep exists because, again, superficial solutions are not going to uh, disrupt the system. Why am I talking about disrupting the system is because, again, when we talk about EdTech, the past two decades, everything that has come up in ed tech, and today also, I would say 80% of what I see in EdTech is about fueling the current system if my tech deals with preparing for certain uh, standardized tests, I'm actually just fueling the current system. I'm not looking to change anything in the system. What I'm saying is, hey, you know what? This system exists. What I can do is I can build a little piece, definitely effective, no two ways. Effective, great market, very, very impactful. But I'm not doing anything to change the system. No. Gaps that exist in the system are still going to remain if I'm continuing to fuel the system. So one thing that is very important is to t- take your bets early. Take your bets whether you're going to bet on the system or you're betting against the current system. For me, it's about betting against the current system because as it exists, it cannot function. I am not going to be able to change the mindset of an individual by just teaching them how to crack the JE better. I'm not going to be able to do the same thing. They are going to be in the same rut uh, back again for four years, learning the same way that we were, that we've been talking about uh, is problematic. So yeah, take take your bets early. Are you betting uh, on the system? Are you betting against the system? And once you are, go all in. And yeah, that that's that's what I would say. My learning has been
1: amazing. What are the, some of the resources you want to touch upon that have helped you along this way while you're building this product?
0: Talking to a lot of people, very, very important. Again, like we spoke about feedback, it's very important continuously keep building those feedback loops, whether it's with the industry, with the academia, with the audience, whoever it is, understand who is facing what kind of problem and how do you go about solving that for me has been the biggest takeaway and from a resource point of view throughout this entire journey other than that i would i would not categorically or specifically say that hey you know what this is what i read or this is what i learned because it's been a culmination of a lot of things it's been a culmination of facing the problem ourselves that helps you empathize with the user even more That has been very, very important. And when you're facing the problem yourself, I see myself answering sort of three questions, if I may call it, if I may say so. One is, have I faced the problem myself? That way, I will be able to empathize with the person who's facing the problem a lot, lot, lot more. Is the problem big enough? By that, I mean, yes, maybe I'm I'm facing a problem. Maybe I'm facing a problem just picking up the glass. Maybe, yeah, that's a problem that I'm facing. Maybe I want to solve it. But... Are there enough number of people facing that problem? And the third aspect is, am I going to be willing to go deep enough to be able to solve that problem? Do I have the willingness to solve that problem? These three, answering these three questions, I think paved my way towards what we are doing right now. So.
1: Interesting. So now let's say if people want to enter this current space, they want to build what you are building, get inspiration from you. What are the couple of things that they should keep in mind when they're, they're entering this space?
0: Well, I spoke about a couple of them. I spoke about taking your bets early, whether you want to take your bet on the system against the system. For me, that's the biggest question. Where do you lie? On which side of the fence do you lie on? Is very, very important. Uh, But other than that, I'm sure uh, not everyone will have the liberty to be able to take those bets. But... uh, If not, what is very important is to keep in mind when you're talking about education, when you're talking about learning, outcome is the most critical thing. If I just make your life easier to learn, but I'm not being able to help you learn better, I don't think I'm doing too much making difference to you. The outcome is the most critical thing when it comes to learning. And I think that's where a person needs to make their mind up as to what they want to do, how they want to do.
1: So Pradeek, we had a great time talking to you. If anyone who wants to reach out to you, let's say for a job or just grab a coffee with you, how do they get connected with you?
0: Please feel free to write to me. I'm available at prateek at soul.io. We are always, always looking out for people who, who are deeply invested in this problem statement and highly driven and motivated to do something about it we really want to connect and get more people on board who believe in the same thing that we do and are willing to do something about it
1: amazing so ladies and gentlemen this was pratik agarwal from soul which is school of acceleratedlearning.com. this was pratik agarwal co-founder of soul soul is a quantum leap in the field of education built on the pillars of research and learner first driven approach Enhanced with the positive feedback loops, Soul enables deeper, meaningful learning for the future ready skills. I want to thank Pratik for coming to our show and leave you with this beautiful code on seoul.io website. Creativity, as they say, begins now. It begins in the classroom of today for the trendsetters of tomorrow. And it begins right here at Seoul. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you're not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Makers Theory Pod, or my personal account is Noor underscore Lalani. I am Noor Ali, and you are listening to Makers Theory Podcast.